Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Today, I'm very pleased to have the talented Alan Hocko on the show to talk about how he keeps healthy even when juggling a busy television and film career as an actor, writer, and producer. Hako was born on Bell Island and is the youngest of four children. He moved to the Goulds at an early age and graduated from the National Theatre School in 2000. He's since gone on to develop and star in series like our own Republic of Doyle, Caught and Frontier, as well as star in international series like The Book of Negroes and most recently the critically acclaimed Jack Ryan series. Throughout it all, Alan's been able to maintain his fitness and take care of his health, both physical and mental. So today we sat down in his garden, a place we'll learn plays a big role in his wellness with his two dogs, Lana and Tulip, to talk about how he does it. Welcome to the show, Alan. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right. So I think everybody knows who you are. They know about the roles you played. They also know from watching TV, they know how fit you are. So <laughs> I think there's a big difference between like people that get in shape for a short period of time and the people that are just always kind of in shape. I consider that more like wellness, right? Right. So you, you must have a philosophy towards it because you are consistently... Well, it's your philosophy, so... <laughs> well, <laughs> not so much. So yeah, no, I mean, we, when for me, uh, I had to get into shape at the beginning of Republic of Doyle so I wasn't uh, because on camera is not realistic so the realistic uh, um, our realistic image of ourselves in real life doesn't translate uh, in the same way on camera so you kind of have to be 10% skinnier than you would be if you were trying to be like a normally fit or whatever words you want to use so I came to see you and then you helped me get kind of get figure out a program and a plan and a, a, a way of thinking more than just that it wasn't a short-term ride that it was a long ride you know right I mean you know, but along the way you kind of tweak the information that was given to sort of adapt to like what you had to do because it's ironic you've done like lots of different roles you've done things like Shakespeare and some serious theater acting uh, you've done lots of movies uh, but a, a lot of your roles also play off of your fitness like you've played soldiers in hyena road and you've been on jack ryan and you're getting right. chased by cops and cotter you are chasing people in doyle like those are jobs that you can't actually get unless you fit the part yeah. right so how has fitness sort of played a role in your acting career well there's a stamina that goes with it right so you like the the very first pilot of republic of doyle before i started training um as an adult because as a child you train uh for 20 minutes and you're you're ripped and it lasts for a month and it's like you know then you hit 30 and then that kind of goes away and then every day it goes farther and farther away so uh, we did the pile of republic of doyle and i had to do this rooftop chase which ended up in the in the series that aired or a version of it and after it i was just destroyed and i was 32 mm. and i was destroyed man and i was a whole day of running and i was like it wasn't just about the visuals or the appearance it was about like how can i you know, how do I have the stamina to kind of get through these physical challenges and mental? Um, mental was a big part of it. And that was the other reason why I kind of decided to shift my... I was smoking and, you know, drinking pints of beer. And because up until that age, like... You, you, you get away with it. Yeah, you drink nine pints. I heard a story that Mel Gibson used to drink, like, 12 pints at lunch or something during Lethal Weapon. Like, slightly believable. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I know now that we know. Uh, I think the story was from him, but it was, uh, uh, you know, it's just like 
when you're in your 20s and whatever, you can do whatever things you want to yourself and, you, and there's no impact. But in, in getting ready for it, I guess I just felt like I had to be there. And then once you get there, it's not so much about the image. It's about maintaining a certain level of health so that you feel like you're ready to go at any given moment. Right. Well, you said something that's really important there, I think, is that you know you had to be there. But most people, you have to have a reference point in order to know where you got to get back to. So, were you like, growing up, you were active in sports and hockey and things like that, right? Yeah, I was always athletic. My father was extremely athletic. Um, um, I wasn't good at sports because I, I didn't have the focus. Like, brain, I didn't have, I was talented in terms of physicality, but organized sports, I was just used to get so bored and people are yelling at you and you're like a child and you're like, screw this. It's only as I got older. Or when I found the martial arts and stuff, that was, yeah. I liked that, the focus of that. That really focused me. Yeah. And being physical, it's, you know, it's easy to know where you have to get to when there's, you know, over a million people looking at your body, you know, when you have to do. And everyone who's involved in the production, the network, everyone knows that this shot is like the shot where Jake is, uh, you know, this is his shirtless shot for the mm. year. It's easy to kind of. It's also easy to get really freaked out by it. Right. Like in season one, I wasn't freaked out at all because I was like, "Ah, Jake's a little pudgy, and that's cool." Yeah. And I, in real life, I wasn't, but on camera, I looked a little bit. So you know, and then you do testing, and then people don't like the way he looks, and then you got to go. You know. We're gonna talk about that today, actually, because the the whole there's a whole profession that actually criticizes your profession. Yeah. That's your job. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so like we're gonna have mental health as well as other types of health today because I think that's really unique. When I started thinking about the job, I was like, there's a lot of other stresses that come along with your job that are unique. And I think that you could almost be like a litmus test for a lot of other people when it comes to the type of stresses. And that's one of the things I was gonna say is like, what does a typical day look like on set? Because you can go dust till dawn. Because when I met you, we were training at 5.30 in the morning, five o'clock in the morning before you guys went on set. And you would go all day long and then you get up and repeat it for the entire season and that yeah. was just for Doyle and we'd sometimes we'd train after I was done right to, to be just so I could finish uh, can you imagine being Wolverine uh -uh. and you know when those guys get paid a lot of money and there's a great premium that goes in play with being in that kind of shape and their life is dedicated to it but I I was producing Doyle and writing Doyle mm -hmm. <laughs> so that was a bit whole much. other layer on top of it there's not a, there's a stretch you know it's kind of like asking anybody what their job is like. There's not a stress per se. The industry is, you're right, there are two versions. There's not just the critics of the industry, but there's also the people. Mm -hmm. There's the, uh, because everyone loves to love shows and they love to trash shows. Yes. Trash actors, love actors. Uh, you can't let any of that in your head because you can't please, can't please everybody. I mean, you, you'd go crazy. Mm -hmm. And uh, people have. I mean, I've watched, I've, I've, in my early years when I wasn't getting work, you start, you, you can be really hard on yourself about why am I not, is it because of the way I look? And and then eventually you just realize oh, this is what I am, I am what I am. I can change it to a degree, but... Well, and, and that's the thing. So you can tweak your physicality. Everybody knows this. There's magic tricks you can do. People do this in physique and bodybuilding contests all the time for, for a two-hour period of time. They look really good, but like... <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Right, yeah, right. right. But you were saying that like, you just, like the, the overall stress of the fact that you know, you're doing this, you're producing, you're writing, you're acting in... You're employing people, getting funding, all these other things. How did health play an impact on that aspect of your career, being able to sustain it? Like well, during Republic of Doyle, I blew it. Uh, my mental health was not there. And um, it's uh, I didn't have the right... I, first of all, I didn't know what I was doing. So your, the, the physical acting job, the mental acting job, the producing, the writing, I, like, I knew what I was doing in terms of what the jobs were, but throwing them all together... 
and the strain of delivering a show on time and on budget and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I won't even get into it. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, it wasn't, um, that's kind of why we stopped, right? It's because it was just too much. Mm. And if I was to do that kind of job again, like going on sets and acting, mm. and was a sh- sh- I mean, it is the greatest. In my, in my early years, I didn't love it as much as I love it now. Now I, like being on, on Jack Ryan, for instance, I mean, it was just fantastic to go play on a set and be someone else for someone else. And I just did it again recently, Hudson and Rex. Um, and I didn't get in shape or didn't care about my physicality. I just, the guy was a guy and I played the guy. And, but I didn't care about any of that. And it was like really refreshing and open and way easier to keep your mental strength and uh, that kind of stuff in line. Okay, so okay, so let's go back to like a huge production, okay? Like Jack Ryan. That's as big of a production as they they kind of have for TV, okay? When yep. you're on set, are there people that are there to help you take care of your health, or does, do people have to be responsible to take care of their health like themselves? Like, do you have to have that skill set? If is that like a necessary thing to have? If you're a movie star, you can have people like on Doyle, for example. Because I had so many tasks and jobs, I had people to hand me my food. Right. And if I didn't, I, there's no way you can beat the stress and kind of not eat the carbs. And the cheese and the grease because you're so burnt out. Mm. Uh, and, you know, a, a movie stars sometimes have people who are support staff to keep them in line because it's so, so much a part of their machine. Mm-hmm. But when you're like a, the rest of us, like if there's one movie star on a set, the rest of us are all kind of just, you know, you just got to use your own discipline. So if you if you don't have that skill set, then you could put yourself in a pretty, you, you, could, you oh. could get bad health quick. Go from leading man to character actor in two minutes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like... Not that that's a bad thing if that's what you want to do, but it's like you do have to t- take full control because they feed you on a set, right? Right. And is it pizza and stuff like that? Well, they I'm sure every caterer tries to do their best, but you're feeding the masses. Yes. In the hundreds. Yeah. So, you know, how long is that all stewing in a, in a, in a dish waiting to be you know, put out? Yeah. And it's, it's hard to, uh, you really need to be on top of it. So I got a question for you about nutrition because nutrition obviously plays a big part in staying in shape. Do you eat differently when you're getting ready for a role than you do when you are in day-to-day life? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> I mean, to, to yes, if I depending on the role. Yeah. So if it's a role where I don't care, like I did a part where I was, you know, in Frontier where I was um, had a big beard and was dressed in fur, so I I ate a lot more carbs during that time. Right. And. Uh, worried a lot less about it but you still got to you still got to maintain a certain level of of discipline and not just discipline it's energy too right so you if you're eating crappy you're feeling crappy and everyone knows that but it's hard to know what the difference is so you eat I I try to do uh, you know er, early early morning uh, after a workout try to work out first thing and then I eat after which I know is bad but it's um, I do a little something with my coffee, with sugar in my coffee or honey. Yeah. And then I work. Well, we'll out. talk about honey too. Yeah. yeah. You got your beehive in your backyard. That's right. Yeah. And I put a little, and I use that as the uh, as the engine burner, and then I work out hard, and then I have a, have a protein shake, and then I usually walk the dogs, and then I eat something like um, yogurt and berries or something and, and, and almonds. If I'm that's how I start my day, then I eat something uh, protein and carby in lunch, and then evening I try to eat um, something very proteiny with a few snacks in between that's when I'm prepping for a roll yeah it's really yeah. I mean 
for me, I love eating and I love socializing and I love being with people and I love, and it's really hard to, people, when I first started to make that transition, people are, people get mad at you. <laughs> they, they, I don't know what it is. It's like the early, early days you feel like people are like, it's like they think you're, you're judging or, and you're like, no, I'm just, I remember at Sh my buddy Shames' wedding, I was so, looked so thin in real life and uh, people were like, talking to me like I had some kind of disorder and I like I got so tired of saying to people do you know how much I want to eat chicken wings right now yeah yeah this is not a choice this yeah, is yeah. not like this is not me like I'm not obsessed with this issue it's just something I have to do for the for the, the process of my work and it you know do you mention what it's like the Christian Bale or whatever well I was just gonna say here's something that's interesting though because I think that because you know one extreme of it, your bad isn't as bad as you may think compared to the way people eat. And I think that, you know, normal or bad for somebody who's been very strict, their their normal is probably pretty healthy. And it would probably be a desirable diet for the majority of people. And I think that's really what the whole shows about. We take, yes, somebody like you is extreme cases where they've got to be fit because there's tons of people looking at them. But ultimately, it's about those little lessons like wake up, do your workout, eat some food after to repair it, you know, make sure you have a balanced meal, eat frequently throughout the day. Those are the types of things people pull aside. So when you're not in that, you don't end up getting completely out of shape. You're always within reach of right, getting yeah. in your better shape. So, you know, what would be the things that I guess would be the key fundamentals that people need to pay attention to? Obviously, moderation is one of your beliefs. Moderation is not necessarily a belief, but it's a it's yeah, one of the necessity. Yeah, it's one of the guidelines. Yeah, okay. yeah. Gotcha. it's definitely definitely not one of my strong suits, but it's yeah. one you gotta follow. I remember, I'll never forget you when we were training one day. You were talking to this guy who, who was dealing with a diabetes issue, yeah. and uh, you were like uh, so polite and trying to help this guy. You weren't working with him firsthand at that moment but you were talking to him and you were like well how was the weekend and he was like well I had a big barbecue and you're like oh yeah cool uh you were did you uh you know you stay off the off the buns and he was like but no 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 you should see the buns I got and you were like right right like were they the you know with the the low carb no god no like it's really hard for people to understand and my first uh, uh, when I first del dove into what this is like you were my hotline and it's really tough to understand. It's like a it's like a train track or something, you know. You're riding, and you're just so used to going that one way that it's so impossible for you to con conceive of another way that is like just slightly different but so much more beneficial for you. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to get your head around the fact that. But it is pretty simple. When I explain to people, it's like don't eat more than the size of your fist and carbs for lunch. Don't eat any for supper. Yeah. Uh, you know. D you know. Don't have 300 almonds yes. have 30 <laughs> yeah, right. and yeah. you know what i mean like people think well i'll have well i'm, I'm well i'm hungry so i eat 378 almonds yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, well, healthy, yeah. well you're still it is healthy but <laughs> but so moderation is huge it's yeah. like par portioning out the other thing that that i is a is a part of the groundbreaking sort of thing for me is that you eat small portions many times throughout the day mm -hmm. to keep yourself and omega-3s is like mind-blowing to kind of wave off that hunger it's funny that comes up often with lots of different people and all different types of people I had somebody's martial arts talking about that the dietitian talking about it it just it's a consistent one as well yeah with the, with the fist size it serving. works it works right it's yeah. like and you're not hungry you're so we're so used to particularly here my family growing up I mean we just 
It was like the Simpsons, right? Sit, sit, not my mother, of course, but the siblings of my old man. We'd sit down for supper and it was like, <laughs> you know, and it's hard to kind of train yourself out of that. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, and you, you don't know when the signals are to tell you that you're not full. You're just go so busy into it. So yeah. training yourself to eat slower. And yeah. I think you see, we said that, though, you know, having somebody as a resource to be able to understand what um, what things do to you. So it's like most people walk into a bar and they know how many drinks they need to have to get a desired response. Right? And they yeah. can pick something off a shelf and know exactly what it is. Uh, but they can look at their food all day long and never know what it's going to do to them. But yeah. But on the same same vein for you, like... I think you're, you know, when you take your view towards nutrition, you grow your own food, right? That's like right. you've even got your own. So again, somebody who doesn't realize how good they are when it comes to their nutrition, but you know, you, I'm looking out right now. We're outside. I see your greenhouse, which is full, and it's a good sized greenhouse. And then you've got tons of, of uh, vegetable beds outside of it. So like you're growing your own food here. Now. Yeah, that it's like that came about because my wife is passionate about that kind of stuff, and it's something for us to do. Mm. Uh, my dog is snoring. If you can pick up a snore on the in the VG, it's my dog snores like a chainsaw. Um, we so we do do that, and then then you taste it. You grow broccoli for the first time, and then you taste it, and you're like, "That's <laughs> <laughs> a loud snore." <laughs> That's a loud snore. Uh, you taste that broccoli, man, and you're like, "That doesn't." The broccoli we eat in the store doesn't even. What I'd really like to do is have. Uh, barn with or someone to look after livestock and and stuff like that so you knew everything you were kind of bringing into your house like because we grew up on moose meat my old man used to hunt mm -hmm. we couldn't have you know it's not like we were running down to uh, the butcher to get you know steaks every night you know mm -hmm. we just didn't have that kind of lifestyle or income so my old man would get rabbit and and grouse and moose and we'd live off that all year mm -hmm. I had no idea at the time how good it was for us right yeah. so yeah quality of food uh, doing it on the cheap is not hard when you're growing yourself. It's hard to grow here, so you yeah. need to, you know, it's hard. This this climate is tough to kind of grow all. You know, we can't grow all year. Yeah, and that's the big thing. Uh, Dan Rubin was on, and he was talking about the uh, the new greenhouse project they're working on. So what they're doing is combining a root cellar with a greenhouse, and they can heat it for you know dollars a month, and it can produce enough food. And they're thinking about doing it for communities. And so I think really? that that trend is starting to kick in here as well. And you know, when you do have it, even if it's not for the full year. You've got the deadly, you know, produce for the whole summer. The greenhouse adds a couple of months to the growing season, so you kind of, you, I mean, it's a lot of work, but it's also, again, it's exercise. So that's the other thing that I've started to do mm -hmm. is find, you know, gardening for me is like about, I was explaining this to Alan Doyle, because Alan, Alan's wife gardens a lot, and he was never into it. Yeah. And I was like, dude, it's just an excuse to burn calories. Like, you're yeah. just exercising. Use it as a way to be out in the open you know, I do love it now, but yeah. it, it's really good exercise, and that's another big it's part up, of it. It's up and down. And what what are you growing right now? So we grow a lot of uh, hot peppers because we use we we cook a lot of spicy food. We grow you know your basic salad stuff, kale and lettuce, celery. Uh, love celery, like to put that in your potato salad, and you know to that kind of stuff. We're growing potatoes. Mm -hmm. We grow, and I'm I'm really big into the tomatoes, but this is my first year trying it, so. I've got 30 tomato plants in there, then I'm probably going to yield about 15 tomatoes. <laughs> That's all right. Because I'm a salad learning. My first year of the garden, one salad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's horrible too. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. well, our salads are deadly, and it's okay. it's good. Yeah. 
tell me about the you said the honey okay so so i am not going to criticize anybody putting all natural honey that they actually produce themselves from their backyard in their coffee because it's one of the best forms of natural sugar ever uh what's the story on that i think a lot of people have seen that um, yeah but... well carol you know so i don't ever use sugar i don't eat sugar luckily i'm one of those people that doesn't have a sweet tooth mm. and we just never had desserts growing up and I'm just really lucky about that. I don't like cake. I don't like chocolate. I'm not running into it. The But for my coffee, it's the only place that I do have a sweet tooth. Mm -hmm. And so we had bees move into our house. So we figured this out as you go along. The bees, someone had a hive. And when the hive gets too full, the queen will leave and then they, they swarm. Right. And then when they swarm, uh, scouts go look for a place for the, them to live. And they found the dormer in our window. Right for a year they might have been there two years and we thought they were wasps and um we you know had orkin in and yeah. they they were like uh they, it took them forever to get it to it and then when they got to it whatever they did didn't work and then we realized they were honeybees right we adopted them we have the took them out of our house and they're in our backyard mm -hmm. but we don't do it for um yeah. the people we work with take some of the honey for as part of the fee of um them helping us yeah. work the hot because I'm not I have no time for more jobs so Carolyn and and uh, the guys at Adelaide honey you know kind of manage the hive but we only take a small portion of it and the rest we leave for them because yeah. as Carolyn puts it you know my wife puts it they work so hard for it it feels so wrong to take it from them and we just split we split the hive um, in June mm -hmm. create and they made a new queen and the guys took that hot that, those bees away yeah you can split the hive to make sure that they don't swarm. Right. Cool. Yep. Interesting. I didn't know that. A bee came right by, right there, and almost landed at us just then. Oh, nice. That's not surprising, considering we're about 60 feet from the... Well, it's rare that they come up here, actually. Oh, cool. Okay, let's talk exercise for you. You obviously work out regularly. Do you spend all day, every day? How does it work? I mean, I know, but... Yeah, I know you know, yeah. because you taught me... So, the, the you designed a way to be able to work with me that I worked within my schedule and I'm super I did not have time so the, the style of workout I've, I've adapted to since even working with you is I don't really do much cardio uh, I do my cardio my gardening or ice hockey mm -hmm. which when before the COVID was six eight hours a week yeah right no beer after the ice hockey good you know what I mean because it's uh, but my train, my workouts usually about half hour, forty five minutes of uh, super intense um, uh, weightlifting, not super heavy weight because I'm not trying to become a bodybuilder or anything. And I just do high reps and and I circuit train, so I go from every a different body part. Yeah, I do about eleven exercises three times through. Usually, I'm starting to get lazy when I'm off off when I'm not prepping for a roll. I do two times through. Yeah, but uh, as of today. I've started to push. I gotta get ready now for a roll, so I gotta go back to the old routine. That's good. That's good. Work I mean, harder. Yeah. Look, it's another fifty percent on top of something that's already it's already solid. It's there. yeah, and that's the funny thing that if you maintain it, if you maintain your 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 physical self uh, and don't go from zero, go from uh, from a, a thousand to zero, mm -hmm. and always maintain some level of number in between that's consistent, it doesn't never goes away. Well, the, this is this is something about you uh, that I, I saw happen was that you went from being in good shape before you started to train really frequently and, and be really strict about it, but then before long that you were in really good shape more than you were in good shape and so you migrated towards really good shape 
So yeah. that was became the normal state for you. So that was that's important. My for a needle lot of moved. Yeah. Because you were consistent throughout the whole thing. I think that's what a lot of people miss is they, they have these periods of time where they go all out. And that's not really that important. It's more like frequency and then periods of higher and lower. But like even a yep. pro athlete needs to take time off. Yep. And you you know that was a, it's funny because it has been because uh, you go through your twenties where you can do anything you want. Work, work your guts out. Do ch only chest and uh, yeah. and feel like you're the like you're a bodybuilder. And then you turn 30, and then I had a beer gut. I didn't know, and I was like, oh man. <laughs> and then uh, you know, I, I wasn't in any way too overweight, but uh, for a part, for an actor, you got to keep that away. So that was around the time that you and I started working out. And then you just got to keep doing something. And so you know, this is a horrible way to look at it. And I know it's not a philosophy you would endorse, but if you're gonna have fried chicken, you really, the next day, you've got to go do something about that. I'm not against that. I mean, it's more like it's a reward, it's a treat, as opposed to um, as opposed to restricting completely. I'd rather some, I think that people should definitely make up for those things, so yeah, I think that's fine. No, I mean like, oh, I can just do this, I'll go do it tomorrow, and oh, then you don't do it I tomorrow. You, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. you start making promises to yourself you can't keep. Oh yeah. I'll just have fried chicken every day this week, and then every day next week I'll only eat sat like that, it won't work. Yeah. So, so but I do, I do keep a thing where I'm like, I keep a little tally in my head because I've, it's the size of your jeans is the way for me. It's Perfect. like, when I can't fit into size 31 jeans, I'm like, <sighs> it's two weeks now I gotta do two weeks to kind of put that needle back yeah yeah and that's that's all part of it okay so COVID hit and you, you know you train from home yeah. so there wasn't really a shock for you there but like how how is being able to have flexibility being able to train at your house like been helping with your consistency well I put a, a full kind of gym in because um, I just the the t I know I have it's not like for regular people I think if they put a home gym in it collects dust it's like the amount of houses when we did Republic of Doyle we shot in that I was in basements where there was a home gym that had never been used mm -hmm. uh, I understand th how difficult it is and for most people I think they have to get out of the house to go do it mm -hmm. but for me the least amount of time I have to waste on doing it the better because I had to do it yeah it's just my it's like no, I'm not like a professional wrestler or something but I it is like in the same vein of that mm -hmm. so it was easier for me I, COVID was no different than my regular life, really. Yeah. The, the, not that COVID's over, but the first wave of it. Yeah, the adjustment period. Yeah, I yeah. was at home anyway because uh, I was. I had a script that I had to write, so I just the, my phone stopped ringing for three weeks, and I was like, "Oh, deadly! I'll, I'll finish the script." Yeah. The minute I finished it, everyone kind of started to wake back into regular life. So. Yeah. Nothing really changed for me. Yeah, I think a lot of people are challenging the concept of even going out and exercising somewhere else when they realize they can get a good workout from home with a few few like dumbbells now, and uh, it's not that much difference. There's a certain aspects, social aspect, things like that, but even that's limited these days. So, um, I do miss a big, big yeah. gym. Yeah. With gear, where you nice. can where you can really just kind of go, oh, I'm going to do that now instead of that other thing that I often do. Or yeah. Oh, look, you know, I do miss that, and I miss. Um, uh, training with someone where you're pushing each other yeah. so there you know which you can do now uh, back again in one place but but I do you know so when I go on the road what I do now consistently is f find a chunk of time off the top of before my engagement is somewhere from filming somewhere to go if I can a week or two in advance and then just kind of zen in yeah. mentally and physically yeah yeah so yeah that's the thing when you're traveling like you travel some strange places you've been to South Africa before you were in Venezuela last year or no you were in South America last year was it Venezuela? Colombia Colombia yeah so I mean how do you how do you maintain it there or so in um, Colombia 
It was an army movie, you know, and there's a bunch of us, a bunch of young guys, everyone in the same boat. Right. So we all, one of one of my guys was trying to get giant for this other part he was doing. Yeah. Not a muscular giant. He had gained a lot of weight in that way, a non-toned weight or whatever. So he was training in a different way so that when he had to burn it off, his, his he would still be in good shape. Right. Uh, so we trained together. We'd find like the local gym in, in Girardeau. Mm hmm uh, paid our membership, walked every morning. Um, and then a lot of times in my business, you end up in a hotel with a gym. Yeah, right. So yeah. you're very fortunate that way. Well, okay, so that's that's another point. Uh, you've worked with all sorts of actors, and a lot of them very physically. you got Momoa, for example, and yeah. he trains like an uh, animal. Like, yeah. uh, you know, and then you've got other people you've trained with on different shows, and you've trained with military guys and, like, you know, yep. proper military people. But they all seem to get results. Like, is there one way? You know, I mean the the basic math is the same. Yeah. You you take in yeah. what you take in, and you burn off what you burn off. Your yeah. body uses what it needs for energy. Mm-hmm. You can play with that for a while, and you can take in more than you need, and get away with it for a while. Mm-hmm. You can also go to the other extreme and and try to cut and take in way less than you need. Mm-hmm. But every there's always a breaking point. It's just so much easier to find that that medium level of like yes. I, I, I do not need cheese on everything. Yeah, right. You know, I do not need cheese on everything. Yeah. Cheese on everything's good sometimes, but when you go a long period of time without it, your your brain, your mental, it's not just about uh, the vanity, which it sounds like it is in my case because that's what motivated me. Uh, was literally just about all the people looking at my half naked body, but the it really is the mental aspect of like how how much clearer is my brain mm-hmm. when you're not hungover. Like as an example, you know, if you're hungover, you don't think straight. It's the same thing if you're smoking cigarettes or if you're eating toxic crap. All right, so mental health. Mental health is huge. It's been an underlying theme to almost every episode we've had so far. I think your industry is extremely unique when it comes to, I think, some of the stresses you've got high intensity when you are working, you got stress when you're not working, you got people criticizing your work literally all the time, and you're very much in the public eye all the time. Um, you know, uh, do you see that with people, like people struggling with their mental health as actors? I struggle with mine. I mean, I like to think I, I, I uh, try to stay on the straight and narrow, but I mean, my early 20s, I was in theater in Toronto, doing pretty good you know for uh an actor trying to do a thing trying to make a living and i was doing it but it wasn't where i wanted to be doing it i was it, was, it wasn't the level i wanted to be doing it and it was hard on my head man and i went to see a psychologist who used to treat cancer patients who i knew through a friend and i was like look i don't have any physical illness i just kind of need to talk to someone about my career mm. and how stress how it's stressing me out yeah that's when I started to deal with it, and yep. uh, I've never stopped talking to someone. Hmm. Just to keep it all, because you can really focus on, it, it can all be so overwhelming. Like, the beginning of this COVID crisis was almost, if I bet you the same for a lot of people like me, the fact that I was not being able, not able to do anything was slightly frustrating, but then again, I had lots that I had to do, mm-hmm. and then also, the fact that no one else was doing anything either. Yeah, that's strange. You're all equally everyone, falling behind. Yeah, everyone yeah. was in the same. And then I got inspired to be like, well, I'm going to be the most ready when this whole thing is over. 
which I knew was ridiculous, uh, <laughs> but it it did it, it was helpful for me to to kind of like not get overwhelmed by the size and the enormity of this thing that we're all facing in COVID, right? Mm -hmm. And I just it helped, and work does kind of really clear my mind in a way that I'm never happier than when I'm working mm -hmm. on things I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm super in a place where I'm super, super, super careful about what I do with my time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to do things that are not going to be satisfying because I know it'll affect my, I know it'll affect my, my mental state. You know, right. I will not be in the right mindset to try to approach each day like we're so lucky to be here when I'm doing things I don't want to be doing. Well, probably one of the benefits of talking to somebody is allows you to get clear on what your values are and what your goals are and find things that are going to serve you as opposed to things that are going to take away from it. The biggest thing I took from my my initial starting into doing a, a, that kind of talking with someone was you are in control of your thought. Mm -hmm. And that was like, what? But for me, it was like, it was really worked for me and I, that I was able to go. You Back to that train track thing about eating. Mm. And what, you know, what our habits become, if your habit is to go to the dark place or to go to the place that you're, you're used to going to in terms of thoughts, you're thinking negative thoughts or bring yourself to the worst case scenario, I would tell myself, I can change that. And it helped me shift to just pull myself out of that fire and just look upward and outward and try to find it. And you know what? It really changed my whole life, to be honest. You kind of always kind of walk around with a smile on your face. Well, actually, it's funny you say that, though, because I've seen, like, we've known each other for a long time, and I've been in, like, you know, coffee shops with you getting a coffee, and then people want to chat and blah, blah, blah. Right. You always seem to be on. But is it maybe the fulfillment aspect of it that allows you to be like that, or is it that you're constantly on as that's exhausting? You know, what 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 is that? Or is Because, like, because if somebody's not enjoying what they're doing and don't like the, you know, like, like that exposure or whatever... Then It'd be torture. They would be they would be hard, really hard, and you would crack. But like I don't see that. I've never seen that. And some of those people are around, you know. And pe people probably just think they're jerks or something, mm. or they're difficult or whatever. But I think it's over. I have lots of friends who are it's overwhelming for them, and then lots of friends who love it. Mm. And myself, I'm super appreciative that they care enough. Like I did a thing today at Tim Hortons for like the kids camp promotion there for a friend of mine who's a part of the Filipino community and there's all these people from the Filipino community there and I'm, I didn't think for a second that they would uh, know who I was but they were all like had been watching because I'm friends with some of them mm -hmm. I think all like all of their friends started watching my stuff and yeah, like yeah, yeah. and that's just so sweet and I'm so appreciative of people who take the time every single person yeah. I'm very very grateful for people who watch my stuff. I produce theater, you know, in theater in Toronto. Getting begging people to come see your play was like my full time job, mm -hmm. and it's hard, and you can't always get them to come. And so when they're when they show up all on their own, mm -hmm. you'd be a, I think you'd be a fool to not be super appreciative of that. So yeah. it all ties in. It, as the, you know, when you close the door, you kind of want to close the door, but. Yeah. But that's what, what I'm like, even with my family. Yeah, not, yeah. I just sometimes like alone time, but that has nothing to do with them. You know? Okay, so you're a huge part of the community. That's a big part of, uh, of what you do. Um, you leverage a lot of the things you do to help, and some of the things you do are health-related for charity work. I know right. you've, you've got the one-night stand with Daffodil Place. Yep. Um, why, 
why health and why cancer and things like that? Well, Daffodil Place, so the, 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 the way I approach charity work is you get asked every two days to do something and you can't, you just physically can't do them all. And particularly when I'm in production, like you said, I can get a call tomorrow and have to go. So if we booked a fundraiser for whatever and I have to call the people and say, well, I got to fly to wherever uh, and uh, I'll be gone for three months. Yeah. I got to go to New Zealand tomorrow for five months. That yeah. happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, you let a lot of people down. So you can't you, you can't make commitments like that in, in my business in the way that others probably can. So I devote myself to one charity. So at first I did uh, Foster Future. It wasn't a charity, but it was a campaign. Uh, my sister was working in Youth Child Family Services, and she just told me one night, the devastating situation we were in was looking for foster care. And I was like, oh, well, I'm all over that. And then that tied into another charity I did, uh, uh, um, Stella Circle. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of was a spokesperson for that. And then they were they were done with their campaign, didn't need me. And then Daffodil Place came around at that time. And I was like, yep. I, uh, and we've been together ever since because they... We totally get each other. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 what they bring to the community, and VOCM is a huge sponsor. They've always been very helpful for us. But, you know, I talk to people who come from rural Newfoundland who would not, literally would not get their cancer treatment because they have nowhere to live when they get here and they cannot afford a place to stay. Right. Like, that is barbaric. Yeah. We, you know, we have a healthcare system, but we have nowhere to put these people when they come from God knows where across the province. Right. So that and the people every person i've met who stayed there is so grateful and appreciative one one of my friends there who i later got to know a little bit jennifer mitchell she was in a situation where she was like never gonna she didn't think she's gonna get out of there she's cancer free now uh, uh i don't know how many years but i think two 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 years maybe three uh she was like it was just you know how do i make the bed yes uh even if i had a place like how do i make the bed like yeah. i can't walk so it's really important for me. They do focus a lot on mental health, the mental health of the people who are suffering. Mm-hmm. There are community together. There's like counseling there, but there's also like just camaraderie. Mm-hmm. And a, posi- a place like a hospice you think is supposed to, you'd imagine in your mind, a cancer place where people stay, you'd, you'd freak you out. Yeah. But you go in there and it's like, it's nice. people are laughing at you and screaming at you in a funny way and making jokes. And yeah. it's just like, beautiful thing it's a very positive place for people going through a lot of stuff it blows my mind how positive they are and it speaks to the power of that you know it's uh just we only it's also a good reminder and back to the mental health thing about all of us it's like the constant thing i try to remind myself is that we only live one time mm-hmm. yeah you know this right. isn't a system of the world where we if we work our our, our guts out now we'll, I don't know if we get rewarded later right well, so, yeah, yeah, so right, I, yeah. I'm not betting on it yeah take advantage of it now right? I want to I yeah. want to be happy and I want to be positive and I yeah. want to do the best things I can do for people uh, while I'm here you know? well okay so the whole point of this program is that hopefully people can listen to people like yourself that are living you know healthy lifestyles and different variations of that on a day-to-day basis they can glean a little bit from each time they listen and take it with them but you know Newfoundland has a lot of preventable illness um, what can we do as a community? Well, you know? when we were going to school, when I was brought up, the the, uh, the food guide that I was given that was on the, the home ec wall mm-hmm. told me pizza was healthy. You're right. Because it had all of the five food groups in it, that it was a superfood. Yeah, yeah, right. 
I don't know if they're still teaching that. No, they changed the food guide last year, which is last year. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, pizza. Let me can tell you, it's delicious. But how do you how do you battle that as a child? You're being told. The superfood, yeah. <laughs> because it has vegetables, that may have dairy. Been selective uh, interpretation on your part. But no, no I, it was a, it was like the it was how it was taught to me. Yeah. I was a child, and yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And uh, that's not that's messed up. It'd be really great if our kids were taught. Maybe they are being taught this, but it'd be great if we were taught at a young age that what when it comes from the ground, you know, pretty good. It doesn't have to be fancy and expensive. Growing kale is, you can grow kale in your house pretty easily. Yeah. And uh, it tastes like garbage at first. You get, you, you, you know, it's everything's an acquired taste. Mm -hmm. But it'd be great if we we're not trained to eat from packages. And like, I, I can't remember the last box of food that I ate. And whenever they show up in my house, I, I'd like, I do not like it. You know, there's yeah. just nothing good comes from that stuff. No. no. We already are fighting a hard enough fight with trying to keep our ourselves healthy you know yeah no i think that's a big thing for people i think the nutrition thing is one of the biggest areas we have our own unique challenges in newfoundland and, you know we might live in town but there's a lot of people rural it's hard to get fresh foods and so knowing you can have a greenhouse with all sorts of stuff is a is, is a nice pastime it's and, tough and your activity yeah. Too. yeah it's a great outdoor activity and it's yeah. tough but it's it's really fulfilling and it's not that much work it looks like a lot of work but it Gardening is really not it, it, the digging of the holes is hard, mm -hmm. but uh, you don't. As you can see, my all of my stuff is raised. Mm -hmm. uh, I've learned. Yes, that's <laughs> it's, good. I don't have to dig any holes anymore. <laughs> don't even put any eggshells down the ground. Yeah. The slugs away. Your understanding is constantly changing. It's constantly going, and our understanding of things are constantly changing. The food guide pizza was good. Now it's not, and that's a ridiculous concept. But smoking used to happen in Hospitals. doctors' offices, right? Yeah. So. I guess what advice you have for people to adopt a healthier lifestyle going forward? The biggest thing for us, I feel like, to, you know, watching my father had septuple bypass surgery. Mm. And the doctor, I remember, he was burnt out. You know, he did an amazing surgery, saved my dad's life. Septuple now, seven major arteries. And he was so mad that night. And he was like, you know, this is, he was just tired of it. You could mm -hmm. just tell he was burnt out, overworked. His, the, you know, the 20th bypass he did in three days. He was just like, it's just diet here. We could definitely do we could definitely do better with uh, have finding a way to have access to more fresh local produce because it is it is like eating a different vegetable. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. not it hasn't been filled with something that we don't know of and pesticides. It didn't ripen in a container ship. That's the other thing. <laughs> yeah. It ships from it ships it ships from Colombia. We do we get our freshest blueberries we can buy at a store come from Chile. Yeah. Even though we've got the best blueberries in the world, probably in Newfoundland. I know, but we only get them in September. I know. So yeah. it's like, what are you going to do? And you got to climb. You can do what my mother does. My yeah. mother goes and buys seven beef buckets full and freezes them. Yeah. But not every, my mother is the healthiest eater I've ever met. Yeah. We should all just do what Mary, Mary Murray does. Okay. Sounds good. We'll put her on the next show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time. I thanks. really appreciate it. A big thank you to Alan Hockel for chatting with us today. His stories about how challenging it can be to stay healthy will likely resonate with all of us in one way or another. His message about the need for balance of both physical and mental health and doing something you love that fuels you in your journey was also important. So let's take that with us too. Good luck to you, Alan, in your next project. We're all looking forward to tuning in to see what's next for you. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. We'll see you again next week for another episode of the Health and Wellness Show on your VOCM.